Are you free? The text this morning is from John 8, 31 through 36. Jesus himself speaking. We're in a Facebook series, actually, because it's something that's such a part of our culture. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings. If you'll notice, you know, that two-letter word, I'm going to circle that again. because I, I, Can you imagine how much power is in that two-letter word, if? You are my disciples if you keep obeying my disciples. If you aren't obeying my teaching, you are really not my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's results. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone on earth. What do you mean we're set free? Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who sins is a slave of sin. And a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I have heard this over and over and over again. And we really need to understand what that means. And this text begs some questions that I hope that we answer in the next few minutes. Jesus said he came to set us free from sin, but do we all sin? If I'm free from sin, does that mean I'm not in slavery? And if I'm free from sin, does that mean I'll come to a point in my life where I never sin again? In America, we enjoy a number of basic freedoms that very few people on the face of this planet enjoy. So as we think about that, what are some of the freedoms that we as citizens of the United States of America enjoy. Of course, many of us know of our freedom of worship, God as we see fit, the freedom to bear arms, the freedom to assemble peaceably, and the freedom of the press. And the least commonly known of our freedoms is in the Bill of Rights, where you have the freedom to petition our government to correct policies we disagree with without fear of being punished by the government. How's that working out for us? We don't think about, about that. Most of the petitions that we see these days are petitions that somebody's going to run for office. But most of us know and believe strongly in our right to have freedom of speech. And I think that this has is, is, is come to the point, it has evolved to the point, you can pretty much say what you want about anybody. Slander is allowed now. Sla- there is no, I don't believe there is such a thing as slander anymore. I could get on Facebook, I could get, go to the paper, print a statement, and say anything I want about anything without repercussions. It's just the way that it is. The Internet has become one of the foremost champions of the freedom of, spe- this freedom of speech. And Facebook is the one place in the Internet, on the Internet where people really have the opportunity to put freedom of speech into practice. On Facebook, you can pull, post almost whatever you want, and you can say almost anything you want. From my brother Kurt, who said this with tongue and cheek, if it's on Facebook, it's got to be true. Eight years ago, Facebook became the most dominant social network anywhere in the world. It's a place where people can gather and say whatever they want, all except in places where governments don't like freedom of speech, countries that actually hate freedom of speech, places like China. Iran and Vietnam and North Korea. In these nations, they've banned Facebook. And some of the countries, I think Vietnam has their own version of Facebook. And they have uh, 
the domestic internet providers, they've, they've had Facebook removed from their IP addresses and from the servers. In other words, you can type Facebook in your computer, but you won't get it. An example would be if the government outlawed potatoes and you went to Bezos to buy potatoes. They might have potatoes. You might have money to buy them, but you can't get them because it's against the law. But most governments don't have to worry about Facebook being a place of social upheaval because most of the people on Facebook are there to be entertained. It has become an entertainment. There might be some political comments, but most part, Facebook is all about me. What I've done, what I feel, what I want, and what I think. There are people talking with one another, flirting with one another, sharing favorite songs, pictures, expressing their ideas on a variety of subjects, and some are not so edifying to Jesus and the body of Christ. I wonder if the government took away all of our freedoms, if a lot of people on Facebook would even notice for a while. Here in John 8, we have a similar situation. Jesus is telling the crowds that he has come to offer them freedom. Now, the problem is, 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 is it's, they're not getting it. For the majority of them, it's, it's right over their head. What is Jesus really saying? Here, it's a difference with us. When we hear somebody talk, are we hearing what we want to hear and to dissect that and get out of that what we want to hear, or, or do we go for the truth? Vast majority of Jews, when they said Jesus came to bring them freedom, it was to throw off the yoke of the dreaded, hated Romans, that they would leave their country and leave them alone. We're pretty fortunate here about having other people to come in and govern us. That was one of the things that many of us heard in Haiti. The UN is there. And do you know what the average Haitian told me? The UN was there to go to the beach and mess with their women. That was what? Well, that's a heck of an attitude, but that's, that's how they saw it. The Romans were... A rough bunch. They were mercenaries. They were paid soldiers, and they were brutal, actually. They were like a thorn in the side to the Jews. But nonetheless, they were there. So Jesus is telling the crowds he has come to offer them freedom. But it's not the freedom that they had in mind. Verse 31 and 32, we're told, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, notice Jesus said to those who believed him, believed in him. It's not saying they believed him, what he was trying to say. When he said to kept them free, to set them free, they were irritated. They said, what do you mean, Jesus, we're already free? It would be like telling an American that they're not free. And most Americans would probably get up and say, we're free. We have the freedom to do all kinds of things. Freedom of speech, freedom to bear arms, freedom to assemble to worship. We're free to do what we want. But Jesus says, no, you're not. He said in John 8, 34, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Jesus was basically saying this, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. I don't care what you think. When, you're a sin, you're a, when you sin, you're a slave. You're in chains no matter who you are or where you live. Now, is this true that we've all sinned? Well, of course it is. First, that's what Jesus said. And then second, it's a deep-seated teaching in Scriptures. Romans 3, 
23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The key word is the first three-letter word, all. No exceptions, no rationalization, no gray area. A-L-L, all. Every living, breathing human being has sinned. And third, it's a provable concept. Let's say that there, we have a righteous person here in this congregation at Crossroads. How many times a day do you think a righteous person might sin? Let's be generous and say only three times a day. They say something they shouldn't, do something they shouldn't, or think something they shouldn't think. But on an average, they only do these things three times in any given day. So three times a day for seven days a week, that's 21 sins a week. 21 sins a week times 52 weeks a year, 1,092 sins a year. 1,092 sins a year times 60 years equals 65,520 sins during an 80-year lifetime if we start at 20. And that's the righteous person. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 1 John 1.10 says, If we say that we have not sins, we make Jesus a liar. Why would Jesus be a liar? Because Jesus said, I come to die, save the people from their sins. And if you say you've not sinned or you never sinned, you're calling, calling Jesus a liar. So we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I think that's an absolute. There's some people who don't believe in absolutes. I do, absolutely. That's an absolute to me. There's no changing it. It's the truth. And from what I've heard about Facebook and heard about Facebook, there's a pretty fair assessment. There's a lot of folks on that side who are in the chains of sin. They say mean things, cruel things, bullying. You know, a lot of times when you'll see that a young person will kill themselves or do something terrible to themselves because of bullying. And the vast majority of that was in social media and on Facebook. It, it has an impact on people. They curse and share foul jokes and stories. They post political cartoons that are mean-spirited and slanderous. They share pictures that are impure and immoral. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So when we talk about this area that, that we were in, that when we talk about Facebook, do you see what a vast opportunity that is to be Jesus? We're not talking just talking to one or two people. We're talking to thousands or, or more. I don't know how many friends you have. That is the point. What's your rebuttal to when people say terrible things or do terrible things? I hope you don't put like on that. I think you can do that. I'm not, I'm stupid when it comes to it. I shouldn't even be talking about it, actually. Jesus came to tell us the truth, and by that truth, to free us from the slavery of sin. So does that mean you can't be free without Jesus? Well, no, apparently that's not entirely true. Romans 6, 16 through 22 states this. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You've traded one master from another. You've traded Satan to, to be your master, and you've put God in his place. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. 
When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. So you can be free without Jesus. You can be free from God, but then you're a slave to sin. Or you can be free from sin and be a slave to God. You can be free from one or the other. But if you're free from one, you will be a slave to the other. Either sin will be your master or God will, but you are the one that makes that choice. It's entirely up to you and you alone. You take this old car door, for instance. It's beat up, but it's totally free. It doesn't have to go anywhere. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to go anywhere. It doesn't want to go again. It would never be slammed again. It would never be dinged by pebbles as the car made its way down the road. The window would never roll up or roll down, and then nobody, but nobody wants it either, and it's worthless. You might get a couple bucks, but I doubt it. By contrast, the doors on your vehicles are slavery to the car. They are attached. They have to go where the car goes. They get slammed and dinged and abused and misused. And if anything can bring out road rage, it's when somebody parks by your new vehicle four inches from your car. And they get out and slam and keep slamming trying to get out. Would that upset any of you? This is why I'm concerned about the right to bear arms. Man, I'm not going to go down this road, but I, I could tell you stuff. But, man, people just come unglued. Or how about this? Have you ever seen this? I, I'm, I'm a terrible person because sometimes I, I like to watch stuff unfold. If it's real windy, if somebody turns a shopping cart loose by their car, that wind can pick that up, and it picks up speed. And I have sat in my car and watched these carts go and hit another car. I should not enjoy that, should I? <laughs> I'm sick. Pray for me. But, man, if somebody runs out of the store and sees that, they just about go ballistic. I don't know. I, I, I know I'm weird. I, I'm, ready for the, I'm ready for the junkyard, I think, myself. But. but on your car, on your doors, the windows go up when you want them and go down when you want. But because they are a slave to the car, they have value. They are worth something. The point is this. If you decide to be a slave to God, you go where he wants you to go. That is the point as we listen to the Holy Spirit. That is the point of being in tune with God enough to hear that small, still voice, regardless of what that is, when he urges you and nudges you to do something. If he wants your door to be slammed or your window to go up and down, that's what's going to happen. But because you are a slave to him, you are attached to him and his will for your life. And because you are a slave to God, you'll be free from the threats of hell Hellfire and damnation. We don't like to hear that. But my friends, it's as real as I'm standing on this stage this morning. And it is a place we cannot begin to wrap our minds around. You know what? God didn't prepare that for his children. He prepared it for Satan and his angels and those that reject him. God does not send people to hell. We go on our own choice. It's because we chose that. 
I think that's a hard sell for some folks, but I do believe, again, in Jesus' truth that it to be true. When we come to Christ and slave to God, we're, we're free from impurity and wickedness and shame. And you are free to receive his forgiveness and love and his blessings 24-7. It all depends on what you intend to be a slave to. First of all, all have sinned. Second, we're all slaves to either sin or God. That's a given. That's an absolute. And third, since we all sinned and I am a sinner, does that mean I can't help but sin? Am I doomed to sin no matter what I do? No. In fact, 1 John 2, 1, the Apostle John wrote, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. It's hard to meet people that's never sinned or are not in sin at present time. I think, you know, I didn't used to think this, but I, I, think, it's, I think it's possible. Even, even with that stinking old nature that we have, I, I believe that we can get so close to Christ that if we do sin, it, it would be somewhat rare. And I'm working that way, but I'm not there yet. But now if we can't attain total sinlessness, if we can't reach a point in our lives when we never sin again, what did John mean by saying, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Well, John meant that our aim in life should be to avoid sinning. That should be our goal as we walk on this earth as a follower of Christ, is to avoid it. I've talked to people that struggle with even wanting a relationship with God or trying to come to Christ because they don't think they can stop sinning. Here's, here's a plan that you can use or something you can say. You say, here's the deal. The more you walk with Jesus, the less you're going to sin. And then you ask, have you ever skated? A lot of people will say yes. Did you ever fall down? And they say, yeah, a lot. And if they skated again today, would they fall down as much as they did the first time they skated? Probably not. And then we talk about professional skaters. The Olympics is coming up. Do they ever fall down? Well, yeah, but a whole lot less than you and I would if we tried those stunts with those sow cows and axes, axles and all that other language. I don't know. Why don't they fall down as much as we do? Because they've spent a lot more time on skates than we have. In fact, they've spent so much time on their skates, it's almost like walking for them. But still, every once in a while, they fall down. John tells us, he wrote this letter so we wouldn't sin. Don't do it. Don't touch the hot stove. Don't do this. Don't do that. Because in that essence, when we do touch, we're going to get burnt. That is the point. And he's trying to save us from that. Can you imagine all the stuff that you and I get into because we're not obedient that, that he wants to save us from? He wants to save us from tearing up a family. He wants to save us from all manner of things. But again, it's our choice. God's not going to stop me from sinning. If I walk out this door today and get on 41 and drive 100 miles an hour, which I'd really like to do, but there's some tremendous consequences. that I could kill somebody, kill myself, or get a tremendous ticket, 
and then have to go home and face Diana Marie. It's in us, but we've got to combat it, and that's what John is saying over and over and over in the day. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. The more we walk with Jesus in his light, the less we're going to fall into dark behavior. That is the formula. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ. This all starts when we become Christians. We start a process called sanctification. Compton's Bible Dictionary defines it like this. Sanctification, separation, setting apart. To separate from the world and consecrate unto God. To sanctify anything is to declare that it belongs to God. It may refer to persons, places, days, seasons, and objects used for worship. There's a ton of scriptures. In an ethical sense, it means the progressive confirmation of the believer into the image of Christ or the process by which the life is made morally holy. Sanctification is through the redemptive work of Christ and the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit. It begins in regeneration. At regeneration, it is completed when we see Christ. Paul writes this in Romans 6. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we we too may live a new life. Excuse me. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should be no longer, should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. I don't know if you remember your baptism, but it was that whole, whole symbolism of all that I'd ever done wrong, all the sins that I would commit, and even the sins that I would commit in the future were washed away, and I, I come out of that water totally free. Watch this clip. It explains a little bit, I guess, what we're talking about.
our nation, we do have freedom. We have the freedoms to bear arms, to assemble peaceably, worship, and the freedom of speech. Kendall Falk, a pastor in Whiteland, Indiana, put this statement on Facebook on his page, and I quote, Even if we ended all wars, fed all the hungry, stopped all government corruption, followed the Constitution, set everything, everyone free, ended evil socialism, ended government debt, educated everyone, and created the most prosperous free nation, even beyond what America once was, people are still lost and going to hell without Jesus. We need revival, not revolution. Can people tell you a follow cross by your Facebook page like they can his? The question I ask in closing is, how free are you? Are you only free because you live in America? Or are you free as a child of God? Are you free from sin and free from condemnation and free from shame and guilt? Do you know the truth of Jesus and what truth that is? Here's Jesus' promise to you this morning, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, from the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live live freely and lightly. And it's our choice what we choose this morning. Lord, I pray for these folks. And I pray here this morning, Lord, if there be anybody here that that doesn't know you, that they might accept you for they leave this place. If they need to be shown how or need to be prayed with, Lord, just invite them to come down front now. There are people here that love them and want to minister to them. Man, Lord, I I hope we all feel free. The fact is, there are some in here that we know what it's like to have freedom taken away. You're not free in the military. You're told when to go to bed, when to get up, what to eat, when to go to the bathroom. We know what that's like. And to live an entire life like that, I can't imagine. But Lord, you've invited us into this adventure where in a sense it's total freedom because it's always what's best for us as we listen to you. Now the old nature will, will, will sing another tune. He, he, that old nature doesn't want to follow Christ. It wants to waller in the mud. But we know, Lord, that mud's hard to get off of us when we get contaminated and covered with it. And the consequences that we create in sin, they're, sometimes they're, they're not overcome. You can't overcome them. Right now, Father, I pray for every heart here. I pray we're all your children. And if we're not, we, we ask you in our hearts right now. And, um, and I pray that we're free. I pray for people here, if they're in any kind of bondage this morning, Lord, that they would ask you to break those chains and set them free. Because, Lord's life's a lot more enjoyable when you live it free. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts. Help us to be obedient, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.